0: Now we will move to the reports of the Municipal Association Legislative Committee and the legislative team. Now, I served as the chair of, the, of this year's legislative committee. Each year, the association uh, Association's Legislative Committee has an important role in the development of annual advocacy initiatives for cities and towns. The committee is made up of a cross-section of mayors, council members, and staffed from municipalities of all sizes and part of the state. Members of the legislative committee are wearing yellow ribbons on their name tags today. Would everyone who served on this year's committee please stand? Again, we thank you for your time and commitment and being part of this process. The association develops an advocacy initiative based on input gathered from hundreds of local officials during the 10th regional advocacy meeting held around the state every August and September. Thank you. I can see now. Appreciate that. These meetings will give you the chance to voice (laughs) Yeah. These meetings will give you a chance to voice specific concerns about challenges in your city that could be solved through legislative action, which is one of many reasons why it is so important to attend the yearly regional advocacy meetings. Our staff develops recommendations for actions on issues that can help and meet most cities and towns needs the staff brings these recommendations to the legislative committee, which then sends them onto the association's board. Because this is the second year of the two-year session, the legislative committee recommended to the board that we continue working on the last of the big three advocacy initiatives adopted last year. Both funding for the Criminal Justice Academy and reliability for the local government funding were adopted. The bill that gives cities and towns flexibilities for local accommodation and hospitality tax passed the Senate last year and is in the House. Of course, there are are other issues still out there from last year dealing with pre-exemption or taking our ability away to make local decisions. Also, keep in mind, that this is one last initiative is not the only thing our team is working on this session. In our online legislative tracking system right now, we are following more than 350 bills, including business license that could have an impact on your city or town. There are a lot of details I'm leaving out because our legislative team is here to brief you on the big issues Facing us right now in the General Assembly, Scott and Melissa, the floor is yours. Good morning.
1: Thank you, morning. Mayor. Appreciate that. Good morning, everybody. Um, I'm Scott Slatten, the Director of Advocacy and Communications, and my colleague here?
2: Melissa Harrell.
1: Melissa Harrell. used to be Carter. I, I like to joke, fourth time's the charm for her there. She's just recently, no, recently no, remarried. No. So
2: I'm still on two.
1: Still on two. Well, good
2: morning. Good morning. Um, I'm going to repeat something that Senator Davis said, because I really like the way he uh, said this this morning. He said, you are like the canary in the coal mine. And I hadn't heard it so succinctly before, but that is a perfect analogy for what your voice represents at the Statehouse. And as you've heard this morning, it's not that we aren't trusted, and it's not that we aren't listened to, but we are. We represent 271. You represent the one hometown. And when you say something, it is a, you were saying it as a canary in a coal mine. This is important. You got to listen. So don't ever forget how important your voice is. I've seen it happen time and time again. One of those voices was heard loud and clear, thank goodness, on Senate Bill 217. We had three advocacy initiatives Um, starting out 2019, and we got two across the finish line, and we got one out of the Senate and in the House. Senate Bill 217 would give you the flexibility to use hospitality and accommodations tax revenue towards flooding and drainage projects, or or needs. Yes. Um, It it does say in tourist-related areas, but as we know, that is not defined in statute, so it is incumbent upon you to find that definition and and use it appropriately. Well, we hit a snag with Chairman Merle Smith in the House, who's Chairman of Ways and Means, and we didn't find out about it until one of the cities gave us a call and said, hey, I just talked to Chairman Smith, and did you know? Uh, No, we did not know, because last time we heard, he was supportive of this bill. Well, the accommodations industry, the hotel uh, folks around the state, used their voice in the private sector and decided that this was no longer an appropriate use of that revenue, that tax revenue. So after um, sitting down with the leaders in that industry, we have come up with a compromise that I hope will meet with your approval. It takes accommodations tax off the table and keeps hospitality tax on the table. And the reason was is that the hospitality tax revenue is majority... Citizens, you're going out to eat. It's not just tourists that are contributing to that revenue source. And we jumped at that chance because that represents 60% of the tourist tax dollars in South Carolina. So that was the big bucket. State accommodations is 20. 20 is local accommodations. So this is a win-win, we feel like. And now we can walk into the house with a hand-in-hand and sing kumbaya with the private sector because the business community, the hotels are on board and we are very excited. So please reach out to your house member, especially if you have one on ways and means and say, get off the stick and let's have a hearing and let's get this this bill across the threshold. So we've got several homework assignments for you today, but 217 is one that is a win-win for the legislator because he can make both sides of the aisle happy, which is a rarity. So please take advantage of that. And before we get to the big business license bill, I have two other things that um, we are addressing. One is a relatively small issue, but still critically important to the economic development of our communities. Um, I know that many of you have been able to see developers take advantage of the Abandoned Buildings Revitalization Act. When we passed this in 2013, we were just coming out of the economy. very bad economy and so now it has exploded in use which is a wonderful thing but it's sunset in 2021 so we have a house bill if you have a chance to talk to your developers ask them to reach out to their legislator for nine seventy four because that sweet credits going to go away in 2021 if they don't take it help us get this extended
1: say that bill number again
2: nine seventy four come on down. <laughs> um, But this is a new bill by Scott Talley, and this is a very valuable tool. It does, uh, local governments do have this ability, but I don't know that any developer has taken advantage of the property tax credit. They all want the income tax credit, so we do need that extension. The last one that um, you have heard from me on the last several years, so this is a little bit of of a repeat, but I cannot stress enough, and I think more and more cities are being um, faced with this issue, short-term rentals. This is not just the bedrooms in an Airbnb that we started hearing about several years ago. This is the second home industry. This is renting someone's home for a football game or graduation. This is an explosion in uh, the way the um, the new economy, the new uh, way we are renting our vacation places is on an app on our phone. And we have not caught up technologically at the Department of Revenue, and we have not caught up on our... Ordinances for zoning and, and our planning, and then I don't think that all of us truly understand exactly how we want this to morph in our communities. But what we don't want as we struggle through these challenges is we do not want to be preempted and have this um, this industry be the wild, wild west on us. And you think it can't happen? Try Arizona, Louisiana, and Florida have all been preempted by the short-term rental groups. The Expedias and the Airbnbs of the world have can do whatever they wish just about, and we cannot have that. So make sure that when you have these conversations, as Senator Massey said, it's, it's very important that you have these um, recurring conversations with your legislators, excuse me. That is one of those issues that you can explain, the challenges in your hometowns and how you're dealing with it and questions, what is the state obligation on this issue? So, just remember that this is an ongoing conversation we need to be having so that they know if a vote comes for preemption, that is no.
1: All right, thank you. All um,
2: right. Forgive me, it's not in front of me. Yes, it is. 4516, House Bill 4516. I'm more organized than I thought. <laughs>
1: Um, I'm going to talk about two bills this morning. Um, the first is the Small Wireless Facilities Act, uh, the small cell bill. That's House Bill 4262. Uh, this is a bill that, uh, that, that came has passed the House and is uh, currently in the Senate, uh, and it's actually scheduled for a, a Senate Judiciary subcommittee hearing this week. This is the bill that was brought to all of us by the telecom industry uh, in an effort to try and help their deployment of small wireless facilities throughout underserved areas or uh, areas where uh, there's tremendous amount of growth and they want to increase capacity for, for, uh, for, for cell phone users, for streaming services and that kind of thing. Um, the, the, the telecom industry, actually back in 2018, 2017, 2018, Approached the municipal association and asked us to help them develop a model small cell ordinance, which we uh, we did with uh, in partnership with those groups, and then we rolled that out to you and many of your you cities and towns across the state have adopted the the model small cell ordinance. <laughs> Subsequent to that, then uh, the industry had uh, House Bill forty two sixty two introduced that would. Um, Change many of the things that we saw in, we put into the model uh, small cell ordinance and also things that don't necessarily track with uh, the current FCC rules with uh, how uh, small cells are to be deployed across the United States. Uh, We negotiated in good faith with the telecoms uh, last year and got the, the association to a neutral but monitoring position on that bill, and we've maintained that position uh, throughout its movement through the House and now uh, the the discussions that are going on, that have taken place in the Senate. Um, However, uh, that has not, and and certainly we did not intend for that to preclude any individual city or number of cities from working with the telecom industry to address issues that are specific to their jurisdictions. Uh, Myrtle Beach in particular has been working very closely with the telecoms uh, on massaging the language that, uh, that is in the bill. And our position on that has been whatever's good for Myrtle Beach that they end up adding to or changing within the bill is going to be good for all cities and towns across the state. Um, the, the, I know that the Myrtle Beach officials and others are continuing to have those conversations with the telecoms. We are uh, still at a, in a neutral position, and uh, we will be monitoring that legislation as it winds its way through the Senate, starting in a Senate Judiciary Subcommittee this week. So uh, keep an eye on that. Small cells, if you're not familiar with what those are, are cell towers, very small cell towers. Uh, that are attached and installed to existing infrastructure within a city in particular on a light pole, on a utility pole, uh, or perhaps could be erected uh, on, on a new pole somewhere within a city or on another structure, and it uh, cur- it, it covers a smaller area than the huge cell towers that you see freestanding out in the country or or. Or that rise above, above buildings. There are more of these uh, these facilities that uh, will help the coverage. And of course, there are some concerns by some groups uh, about the potential health effects that uh, the deployment of this technology would have. So, if the te- when the telecoms approach your city or town to deploy these, please, if you don't already have a small cell ordinance in place, we would highly encourage you to get with your uh, municipal attorney and, and consider adopting some regulations to regulate the deployment of those in your city. I'm gonna turn now to House Bill 4431, uh, the business license, the so-called Business License Tax Reform Act. Uh, this was a bill that was introduced by uh, Representative uh, Jay Jordan from Florence, Late in the session last year, uh, there was a subcommittee hearing on that bill that was conducted by the House uh, Labor, Commerce, and Industry Committee last year. Uh, And then we've also had another subcommittee hearing earlier this year in the session where all of the sides came and got the opportunity to express their support or uh, uh, displeasure with this particular bill. You've heard already about some of the potential effects that this bill would have on your municipal revenue, your general fund revenues, if it were to pass as it's written. Um, The senators uh, all were exactly correct. That bill, if it passes, will not pass in the form that it was introduced, and that is in large uh, thanks to your efforts to ensure that that doesn't happen. You've heard Todd already talk about the pieces that we agree to as cities and towns with regard to standardization, and those are outlined on your placard that you got this morning a standard due date, a standard application, a standard class schedule that is maintained and controlled by cities and towns through the municipal association just like it is right now, and then the standing up of an online payment portal that would allow a business to renew uh, its business license anywhere in the state. Those are the, the, the basic tenets of the standardization that we have been agreeable to from the beginning of this entire debate. Uh, some five years ago or more, uh, if you remember when this, uh, when this, this argument began in earnest. Uh, what we have not agreed to and will not agree to and continue to affirm our disagreement with is anything that would potentially affect negatively your ability to raise revenues through the business license tax. We've made that clear from the outset with the business interests to include the State Chamber of Commerce, the real estate uh, industry, the National Federation of Independent Businesses, the Farm Bureau, um, the department, South Carolina Department of Agriculture, uh, the Retailers Association, the Manufacturers Alliance, the South Carolina Home Builders Association. Those are just, that's not a complete list of all the business interests that have been pushing very hard uh, for this bill to be passed in the form that it was introduced uh, last year. In fact, all of these groups, including the Department of Agriculture, um, co-signed a letter uh, that they put on all of the House members' desks a few weeks ago after they'd been negotiating with us that insisted that the House pass the bill as introduced. Uh, we have been negotiating in good faith with these groups from the outset, and uh, we're very disappointed that they when they were supposed to be no- negotiating with us, would insist on passing the bill without any sort of uh, uh, fixes or accommodations to the, the, our requests. Um, subsequent to that letter, the executive directors of the Charleston Chamber of Commerce, the Columbia Chamber of Commerce, the Greenville Chamber of Commerce, and the Upstate Chamber of Commerce uh, Upstate Chamber Coalition all co-signed a letter affirming their support for cities and towns uh, in standardization, but no changes to the way that we raise municipal revenues through the business license tax. Uh, The the South Carolina Small Business Chamber of Commerce is opposed to any tenants in the bill that would affect your ability to raise municipal revenues through the business license tax. So if you hear a legislator Uh, tell you that the business community is united against this, let them know they are not, uh, because uh, the the business community, both large and small, is split on their support for your efforts to maintain quality of life, maintain infrastructure, and provide services to your businesses and to your residents. Um, We want you to deliver the message today that standardization is what we would prefer to have passed, and as Todd said, we want to get this bill passed this year. Now, I know the senator said it's dead on arrival when it gets there, but we can we can work with that. We can go to the Senate, and if we get a good bill coming out of the House, we can get support for moving the bill forward in the Senate. Let me talk about in detail real quickly uh, the portal, the online payment portal, because there's a lot of misconceptions about the portal in the General Assembly and throughout the business community, either intentional or not. Um, the portal is a piece of software, as Todd explained, that the Municipal Association has developed over the last two or three years that would allow a business to pay its, to renew, to renew its business license for, for any city and, or town or county across the state. Um, This is something that would be provided as a convenience to those businesses who are domiciled somewhere else, but they do business in your city. Clark's Pest Control that's based here in the Midlands. They have 63 business licenses that they have to maintain across the state. That is admittedly a, a big hassle for them to have to renew each year. Our portal would allow them to log on to a website and tell each city across the state how much they earned in gross income in each of those jurisdictions. The portal would calculate the tax that they are to pay in that individual city. It would then total all 63 of those payments at the bottom of the page. The company would make one payment with one credit card with one button and the payments for each of the cities would be sent directly to your city or town. It is, not by, it is not intercepted by the Municipal Association. It is not intercepted by any state agency. And in fact, we are amenable and agreeable to the Revenue and Fiscal Affairs Office, which is a nonpartisan uh, office of the state government, to, we're agreeable to them hosting our, hosting our software. Hosting it only, not owning it. Hosting it. RFA would not touch that money. The money goes directly to the cities. The, the uh, business owner would be charged a convenience fee for making that payment with a credit card online. Just like whenever you make an online payment for some other service, if you have it, if you have take online payments in your city or for some other service like sc.gov who contracts with the state.
2: And is a private company. And so is a private company. It is not owned by the state.
1: The Municipal Association does not earn or intends to take any funds, a payment of any kind from the payment that, that the business makes, uh, nor do we are we intending to seek any sort of recovery of the costs of this software going forward. The Municipal Association is doing on your behalf together what it which it's easier for us to do it together than it is for us individually to do it. That's what the Municipal Association is here for. It's the right thing to do and it's the right thing to not have to charge either the the company the business or cities and towns any fee to provide this service. It is a service that will be provided at no charge to you uh, or or to the businesses. Make sure that your legislators understand that. Make sure that they also understand that this is a payment option. If the business doesn't want to pay that convenience fee, they can still send you a check, they can still walk into town hall and make that payment. This is another way to pay for somebody who doesn't want to go through the hassle of writing that check or going in the town hall. The municipal association is providing this at no charge. We will maintain it, we will push it out, we will own it. Uh, but this is something that your legislators need to understand that is a, is a huge feature that businesses have asked of us and asked of you over the years. So make sure that they're clear on that um, along with the other standardization pieces uh, that, that are included in the bill. Just know that we've been negotiating in good faith with all of the, these business interests over the, over the years and certainly over the last several months. We're continuing those discussions even as we speak today. There's a subcommittee hearing again on this bill tomorrow, uh, and there may be a full House LCI committee meeting on this bill on Thursday. We will keep you informed through the From the Dome to Your Home that you receive on Fridays. Where we are, you are always welcome to give us a call to ask questions or make comments, shoot us an email. We're happy to answer or even text us. So, thank you all for your attention today. Thank you for taking this message over to the State House today and uh, continue to advocate on behalf of your city and town with your legislators even after you leave here this afternoon. Thank you for your time and we'll turn it back over to Mayor Hupp.
0: Thank you, Scott and Melissa, for all the hard work uh, that you're doing on all of these initiatives. It's very important that we keep in contact with Scott, Melissa, and Casey and stay informed on, a week, on the weekly legislative action. Now, I need to take a selfish moment and uh, just want to say happy birthday to my beautiful wife who is here with us today. Erin, just throw your hand out. All right, over the past 32 years, more than 1,800 mayors and council members have graduated from the Municipal Elected Officials uh, Institute. Would everyone who has graduated from the Municipal Elected Officials Institute please stand? They are recognized with red ribbons on their name badges. That's right, stand up. All right.